0: Welcome to the Sermon B-Side podcast, a podcast of Liberty Church in the Harrisburg region of central Pennsylvania. Sermon B-Side is designed to be a resource to answer your questions and to go deeper into the conversation started by each week's sermon.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Liberty B-Side podcast. My name is Jenna Wright and I'm your host uh, this fall and join alongside me on this Monday night. A recording attempt for the second time today uh, is Ben Leclaire. Ben, welcome to your first time, kind of, on the the Liberty B Side podcast. How are you feeling this this evening? Yeah,
0: yeah, I um, it, it's good. It is round two, so I, I don't have some of those um, butterflies or anxieties about having my my voice recorded again here. But um, and we are missing Matt. We are, and, yeah, in this... the glow of his. His his
1: tan from from Mexico. So uh, Matt's uh, tan from Mexico was a little too vibrant uh, for our recording to last today. So here we are again recording round two uh, for our week this week. Uh, Ben, you preached for the first time yesterday at Liberty, Mm -hmm. uh, not in general, uh, covering this massive chunk of text uh, and your sermon was entitled Demonstrations of Power. Uh, So you kind of picked up in chapter 7 where Bob left off last week and then carried us all the way through into chapter 10. So this enormous chunk of scripture, we've got a lot of ground to cover uh, this evening. But before we do that, uh, why don't you tell the people of Liberty Church, like, who is Ben Leclaire? Uh, what is the, the the snapshot view of what's your life look like right now? And uh, because you're an Old Testament guy, uh, tell the tell the people what your favorite book in the Old Testament is.
0: All right. Well, um, as as Pastor Matt uh, shared. Um, I'm, I actually hold credentials in the Christian Missionary Alliance. spent about five years uh, pastoring. And uh, my wife and I, uh, after living in here about 18 years, um, we had gone to pastor a church in 2015, came back in 20. 20- uh, what, 2021? So we've yeah. been back for a couple years now, as, as Pastor Matt was talking about. But um, so that's kind of some of my background. Yeah. Um, but no, as far as my favorite book of the Bible is, my uh, favorite Old Testament book, it's Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, actually. okay. It is rich stuff. So
1: what do you love about Deuteronomy?
0: I like the fact that it lays the entire basis for the gospel message in the New Testament.
1: Yeah. And I think Exodus really helps yeah. with, with a lot of that as well. Uh, it's insane how foundational the Old Testament is for us understanding what Jesus is doing and fulfilling for us yeah, in 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 the New Testament, New Covenant uh, perspective of things. Uh, so why don't we then Why don't we just jump in uh, and go ahead and uh, do a. Pretty low level, high point uh, summary for us from your time yesterday. Maybe hit your three points. Uh, just give us a, a quick overview of your sermon yesterday.
0: Yeah, it was a it was a pretty big chunk that, that we covered, and so I, I intentionally read the the longer passage to cover the first three plagues, even with the time that it took. But um, we really kind of looked at the broad spectrum of the, the plagues. At one point, I was a little frustrated that I didn't get to talk about the 10th plague, but it made sense as I, I was yeah. preparing. Um, so we broke the, the plagues down into three chunks, and I think we're anticipating talking about that a little bit uh, later, um, but really looked at kind of a subtitle of this demonstrations of power mm-hmm. uh, that, that, that the Egyptians would know, um yeah. that that god was indeed god hmm. uh that the israelites would know we played a little bit of a nuance of the word no there yeah. um to m- more deeply more fully understand the god that it is that they worship um and then really talking about the impact of the plagues on the world knowing um that god was who he said he was
1: hmm. so- yeah, that that's really helpful, uh, and I, I think you did a, a really good job of even giving us this just big picture view of how this this text is structured. Uh, you gave us the the idea that it's really three sets of. Well, three, and we'll get to that in just a second. Um, but to really kind of set up that first point that you mentioned that, uh, so that Pharaoh and Egypt would know the Lord. Um, you talked about, you gave facts at the beginning of your sermon mm-hmm. about Natural disasters, things like extinct locusts and uh, hail the size of pumpkins, I believe, Mm. is something that you, you noted. And then you went on to say that the plagues of the Exodus story here is also a historical fact that everyone has to deal with. And most of our movies and all these different things, they... They have these renditions of these plagues that pale in comparison to the severity of these plagues and the effect they would have had on the people of, e- of Egypt that, that weren't spared from these mm-hmm. things. Um, so why, why did you go there, Ben? Why did you kind of start out the sermon in that way to give us that visual picture of the enormity of the, the all of God that should be stirred in us when we think about this text
0: Yeah, for, for me, admittedly, I don't have much of an imagination I, I really yeah. struggle to read through uh, fiction and, and books like that, and mm-hmm. so for me, in particular is that I need the reminder of the reality of uh, the the truth and gravity of the Old Testament mm-hmm. I think those are tangible ways and, and they they move in a way that we we not only understand the impact and, and the devastation that kind of comes with some of these major things whether it's yeah. war or famine um, but we're, we're we're moved by it. We, hmm. we see our, our friends, our family that's affected by even modern floods or or uh, tornadoes or hurricanes if we're looking at the southwest or things like that, or even some of the modern stuff that we see the the flooding in Morocco or yeah. the recent. Uh, earthquake in afghanistan hmm. um they just set everything up in a little bit more real perspective yeah. for me and it's important that we remember the the authenticity the the truth the veracity of the uh scriptural accounts hmm.
1: yeah and I, I think that's helpful and i we even had a listener uh actually kind of send in a question in this vein Um mm-hmm. uh, because Most of us have not experienced the type of plagues and even Mm -hmm. like clear, direct judgment of God through nature Mm -hmm. in the way that he's using it here uh, in Exodus. But the, the questioner was asking basically... Uh, after we read the Exodus account, how should we be thinking about modern day disasters that happen? Uh, and this this questioner is is saying, should we praise God for His power and His judgment over mankind, or should we be decrying dis- that destruction, or should we be praying for these things to never happen again, or is it really like this both and interplay, and uh, in how we as Christians should be thinking about these? these natural disasters, and even maybe thinking about God's sovereignty over all of creation as it relates to the things that we see in the world today. What, what are some thoughts that you have for uh, that questioner? Uh, yeah.
0: I mean, I think it's a both end. So yeah. next question. Right? No. <laughs> the um,
1: hey, I, the questioner was looking for some zest. <laughs> That's zesty to me. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Point uh, direct to the point. Now, um, in order to even get there, I, I think we need to, to take a step back mm. and look at the fall in Genesis three, yeah, um, and, and frankly, its culmination in Revelation, where we uh, and other prophetic books, but uh, where we're where we read of the fall mm. uh, and the introduction of sin into the world, and then we read time and time again about the fact that even the world is groaning, yeah, for the Lord's return, um, and so some of this is simply. A result of sin in the world um and it's lamented throughout scripture i mean even job mm-hmm. is uh, lamenting these hailstorms and these thunderstorms and he's asking god for an explanation as to why yep. um mm-hmm. and be then once we get our head around the fact that we live in a fallen world that's still suffering the consequences of the fall and then we have to acknowledge just like the Egyptians did here with kind of not just the, uh, the building up of creation, but God mm-hmm. systematically tearing it down in the plagues, yep. uh, reminding ourselves that God remains sovereign over creation. Yep. Um, and, and that there is nothing that happens outside of his will, permissive or, or not. Yeah. Uh, or not or not. I mean, nothing that happens outside of his, his will. Hmm. Um, and so I'm, I'm hesitant because obviously I, I don't know the thoughts of God. His yes. ways are above my ways. His understanding deeper mm. than than my understanding. So I, I think we do need to be careful mm. to jump to those conclusions. Could God be yeah. using natural disaster to judge? Yeah, absolutely. Am I in a position like some of the? Televangelists were during Hurricane Katrina to say this is absolutely the judgment of God upon uh, this population or this yeah. segment.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I think we have to hesitate to attribute any direct judgment of God as it relates to natural disasters. Yeah. Um, and and ultimately, I think we also have to step back. I, I, you you mentioned all of creation is groaning under the weight of sin. But I also think we have to step back and maybe consider the character of God to yeah. uh, the character of God that is near to the broken hearted, that mm-hmm. uh, is a God that is moved uh, to comfort uh, those that are mourning that is near uh, the, the, the poor and the destitute. And I think that there is a reality where of course we pray. Yeah. Um, and, and I think we were kind of talking about this earlier, whether we should pray or not for things these things to never happen again, we're not sure. like at, at the end of the day there there's this interplay between God's sovereignty and his mystery and his purposes and ultimately him being able to use things like disasters for his people to show up and actually, be the hands of feet of Christ here in the present in this now reality to reflect his character to the rest of the world. Because I do think that there is an interplay with things that happen and how we respond in the church. There's some things that we can control in that, but definitely we pray Definitely we mobilize uh, and definitely we think about using those opportunities to extend the mercy of God that has been extended to us, yeah. uh, that has been so freely given Well, in and our that's, direction.
0: And I think that's stuff that we should pursue right there. While I can't speak definitively for whether or not a, natural, a specific natural disaster is yeah. uh, the reflection of God's judgment, I mean, we do have examples in Scripture where a natural disaster is... Part of God's superintended plan, yeah. and not necessarily a thing for judgment. Yeah. Um. You you have the famine that led uh, the Israelites to Israel through mm. Joseph. Uh. You have the famine in in going on in Jerusalem where Paul's taking up benevolence funds to be able to uh, let the church be the church and yeah. support their brothers in need. Yeah. And we have other examples like that. Mm-hmm. Again, back to the the Job account where mm-hmm. it wasn't judgment; it was simply God showcasing the faithfulness of one is one of his beloved yeah um and, and at the same time i mean we we recite it so frequently as part of our litur- liturgy the uh the, the lord's prayer right mm. i i think we can in good faith and conscience pray that these storms would end we we want the return of the lord we want his kingdom yeah to come and, yeah
1: but we even more importantly than the ending of natural disasters, yeah. we we want our bodies and all of creation to be restored because yeah. it is groaning and looking for something to come, yeah. looking for our deliverer in Christ to come back the second time and make all things new, yeah. which is is a good thing to long for. So there's this now but not yet tension that yeah. we have to live in. And I think maybe the last thing that I would say on this point is, allowing appropriate space to grieve. Yeah. Um there is meant to be grief and death. Uh our our soul, our bodies and spirits aren't intended to be separated, but that is the consequence of of sin and death that mm-hmm. ultimately our bodies and our spirits our souls need to be reunited uh in resurrection. Like yeah. uh there's there's something to be mourned there. So yeah. at the the cataclysmic loss of human life, we have to mourn at that, right? Uh Absolutely. there's there's, there's a, there's a weight to that. There's, uh, eternity is at stake here. Uh, there's some harsh realities mm-hmm. at, um, in play. And even that kind of relates to your last point where ultimately we as people of God are never meant to keep that to ourselves. We're meant yeah. to carry this mission to the rest of the world uh, so that the world would know uh, who God is. So I Absolutely. think those are all helpful points there as it relates to those things. Let's real quick, like quickly, though, change directions from more natural disasters into the plagues themselves, uh, because these are very specific acts of Mm -hmm. God uh, to directly through demonstrations of power reveal himself uh, to three groups of people very clearly in this text um, and you, this was really helpful. You you set this up to say there were three sets of three uh, that was used here in Exodus. So in these three sets of three, you specifically highlighted the fact that God gave. Uh, Pharaoh in Egypt, a a private opportunity to repent and let the people of Israel go. Mm -hmm. Uh, The second set was a public opportunity for Pharaoh to repent and let the people go. And then the third set, we were looking at the reality that, man, they've forsaken these options to repent Mm -hmm. and, and let the people go. And so God... Unleash the most severe of the plagues that we saw right. in this this portion of scripture. Do you want to unpack that really quickly? Uh, what's some things that you would want to draw out from that that kind of intercourse there that you? Uh, yeah. Um.
0: Uh, so, I, I never want to take it for granted that everybody grew up in the church, but I, I did. And mm-hmm. I know a lot of people in our church have grown up in the church. And I right. grew up under that Sunday school model.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, the issue is that I we sometimes do a disservice because we're trying to cram all of the plagues into a single Sunday morning for a six, seven, or eight-year-old. Yeah. And so there is a, a sense of immediacy when we're teaching through those things that that move quickly, almost mm-hmm. with like the the same kind of uh, exigen- exigency that we see in like the Book of Mark or something like that, yeah. where it says, "And immediately they did this." Yeah. The issue is that that's not the way it occurred. Mm-hmm. In, in In the Exodus account, it it talks about the fact that there was seven days where the the Nile had been turned to blood and it stayed Mm. that way. There has to be a period of time between the destruction of the hail Mm. and then the locust coming in, eating a new crop, whatever hadn't been risen. So it's not like, okay, hail on Tuesday, locust on Wednesday. Mm. Uh, And so we have a few different dynamics here. One is these three sets of three where um, where Pharaoh specifically and perhaps the Egyptians get this private call to repentance. Yeah. And we don't know the amount of time between that and the actual casting of the plague. Yeah. Uh, but they don't respond. And then... Uh, then that plague is left to sit, and they're left to ponder it, and they're they're left to chew on what their response to the Lord is going to be. And then there's a period of time before the second one is. Um, so you you have this um, kind of this repetition of three. And if Matt was here, he, he mentioned it earlier. Kind of this uh, understanding of the number three in Scripture being this number yeah. of completion. And so they get three full opportunities to repent three sets of those things. Mm -hmm. Plus the time in between what we have highlighted isn't merely God's judgment. Like what we might see in a Sunday school. Yeah. What we see is God's patience and his mercy and his tenacity on display time and time and time again, which is something we typically overlook. Mm -hmm. And I shouldn't speak for everybody. It's something that I've typically overlooked. So it was good to put the time into studying this particular passage that way.
1: Yeah, and it seems counterintuitive to think about the mercy of God when you're studying these plagues specifically because there is so much death and famine and all these ramifications of these plagues uh you even talked about how they're waging war with the pantheon of egyptian gods and we talked about this a little bit earlier but some people have taken that a little bit too far to say each plague is specifically combating specific deities and all these these different realities but but ultimately uh, at, at the end of the day, it, it seems counterintuitive, at least for my North American 21st century brain to think plagues equal mercy. Mm-hmm. Um, but like at the, the end of the day with this, with plagues, with judgment, there is revelation and there is an opportunity for restoration and repentance at, at the same time. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And, and God really shows that in other passages. Yeah. Um, uh, for everybody listening, I was being harassed a little bit earlier about the number of cross references cross that reference I, I typically use. Um, but uh, that's kind of how God works, right? Hmm. What, what does He tell Jonah hmm. when? Hey, go in and preach to the Ninevites, and He <laughs> says, "I'm going to go and destroy them." Yeah, and He doesn't destroy them. Why? Because they were receptive. One and, of the worst sermons
1: I've ever heard, by yeah. the way. <laughs>
0: Yeah, he wasn't he wasn't a good preacher there, right? Or at least a, a reticent one. Hmm. Uh, but God stayed his hand because they were responsive.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's a, a helpful thing to to remind ourselves of, to know that God's mercy is more on display than his judgment yeah. is is on display here. And I think we can look at those in tandem. But I do think it's also helpful for us to know, and, and you said this yesterday, but God doesn't exercise his patience without end. Right. Uh, which kind of brings an urgency into how we think about living on mission in in our present life and where we are, but also I think the seriousness of where we think about combating our own sin, accountability, Mm -hmm. all these other things that we do in our Bible studies, week in, week out, uh, family worship, whatever that is. uh, Ultimately, there is immense significance to the fact that we need to be uh, at work in killing our own sin, progressing in our own sanctification, but even more so have our eyes on the world around us knowing Mm -hmm that there are people in need of the mercy of God that may not know him yet. Absolutely. Uh, And unfortunately there, there is the reality where we're all subject to that judgment. If we're not found in Jesus and that that's our responsibility. as the people of God to be at work uh, sharing that with the rest of the world, which is a harsh reality, but it's also there there's the, the mercy of God that is like kind of living and existing in that space. Um, Kind of in the same vein or direction. Uh, I, I think this is really funny. We had a questioner, questioner say that in their Bible studies, they keep joking uh, to each other that they're not Moses in the story. Um, basically, bearing that in mind, um, obviously there's a lot of bondage, there's a lot of suffering, there's a lot of uh, human suffering happening in this th- these these passages that we've been studying. Um, So what would you say uh, to people that are suffering now? Um, We're not promised health. We're not promised success. We're not promised safety. We're not promised stability in our marriages. Um, How can we actually call upon the Lord in such of those things or encourage each other in the midst of those things in our lives, week in, week out?
0: Yeah, I, I think part of it is understanding that that we're not uh, alone in mm. all of this, um, that the Lord has given us his indwelling spirit, mm. uh, that he has given us the church. Um, and at the same time, looking at these passages and realizing that the Israelites weren't spared from all of them. We mm. suffer at times with the world around us. Yeah. Um, and, and frankly, that's really... Uh, the approach that we see at times, even with Jesus, right? He's, yeah. he's our perfect intercessor because he's walked in our, our shoes, yeah. and so uh, we, we'd be remiss if we don't recognize the suffering that's going on around us in the world around us, and uh, whether that's the consequences of of natural disaster or, frankly, the consequences of other people's sin. The mm-hmm. uh, the point of those consequences is to draw them back to Christ, yeah, and. and at times we're going to be the ones walking alongside others in that suffering to draw them back to Christ. At times we're going to be the ones needing his faithful church to come alongside of us, to pull us as well, to give us encouragement, to correct us, to uh, call us out where we've fallen short.
1: Yeah. And I, and I think that's really helpful. And I do think We've talked a lot about the things that we can and can't control as it relates to thinking about, man, these are all circumstantial things that are unrelenting for the people in the narrative that we've been studying in Exodus, right? And. And I even said this last week on sides. We, we talked about uh, Israel didn't believe they were exhibiting disbelief right. because of the harsh slavery. And it was like this unrelenting pain and slavery and exhaustion mm. that had been inflicted upon them, that the, the wind had been knocked out of them literally for years. Right. Uh, and those are valid reasons uh, to do this. But thank God. We aren't intended to do this alone. Right. Uh, we are meant to do this in community. Uh, we're meant to bear each other's burdens. Uh, we're meant to show up and, and do meals. But we're also meant to just show up and listen
0: right.
1: uh, when people are grieving, um, but also to show up in, in kindness when people are confessing sin. And we're, we're working to hold each other accountable that we're not... Quickly applying obedience without truly understanding what's going on in our own hearts mm-hmm. and being able to point each other back to the gospel and applying that into our, our lives so that when we're obeying, we're obeying out of the outflow of God's work that is happening right. in us and not out of a self-sufficiency. Yeah. Uh, and that is a huge theme that we see at Exodus on display and is something that we, we, we would be remiss if we missed that in our, our groups and in our studies and in our conversations Uh, To actually think about what does it look like to really apply that in the here and now, not just for Moses and for Israel, but what does this mean for me uh, to actually cut through all the noise and take this very seriously. Um, And I think it's it's fun to think about these things when we're talking about plagues because they have a way of shaking us out of the the mundane and the regular and to also for us to kind of a renew a sense of awe in us as well. Yeah. Um, I think we didn't talk about that earlier, but that is something that we can control. We can regularly come to a position where we're not just exhibiting Thanksgiving for what God has done, but we're putting ourselves in a position of humility and awe of who God is and the fact that he is holding all of creation up together.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, and I do think that, I mean, there's so many facets of what's going on with the the plagues. Yeah. One is just understanding the the reality of sin and the fact that it will not remain unaccounted for, Mm -hmm. that God will judge it. Yeah. Uh, the other is highlighting the grace and mercy of mm. God and, and not just experienced by the Israelites, but also experienced by some select, uh, Egyptians, Egyptians that yeah. were responsive, uh, but then just sitting with this awe and wonder. And mm. I mean, I'm g- clearly, uh, I, I don't want to put the cart before the horse here, but in the coming yeah. weeks, we're going to be talking about this Exodus account. We're going to be talking about, uh, the parting of the Red Sea. Like, yep. how do you not see God's hand in that and just stand in Awe mm. at the fact that the, the our God, creator and sustainer of all of creation, yeah still holds it in the palm of his hand mm.
1: um, yeah. And not only that, he can dismantle it yeah. in right in front of our eyes and, and and help us to see, help shake us out of the reality that we really aren't as in control of things as we yeah. think we are. Uh, we are much like the Egyptians here. We are at his will, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we are creatures. Uh, and yes, we are unique creatures in the order of all creation, yeah. um, but we're creatures nonetheless. And it's, it's helpful for us to know that. Um, I would also say here So maybe switching gears for just a second. Um, I want to talk very briefly about the Egyptians, but specifically uh, those Egyptian priests that we see in this power dynamic that we see battling against uh, Moses on behalf of God with these Egyptian priests. Uh, We see them actually being able to replicate a few of these plagues, especially the early plagues uh, that's going on. And we we have a, a questioner that, that's wondering, what is really going on here? You know, what are these secret arts that the text emphasized? Um, and the questioner is wondering, is this supernatural power? Uh, Or is this just a a sleight of hand, trickery, modern day uh, magician, you know, think Vegas type uh, show scenario? Or is there some real power behind uh, what we're seeing here in these, these stories from them?
0: Yeah, and from the text, from all of my review of various commentaries, I mean, there's nothing here. So for us to be able to definitively say this is what happened, we just don't know. Hmm. Um, could it have been sleight of hand? absolutely Uh, however I want to make sure that we're not too quick to dismiss the supernatural Um, and I I can't pinpoint the exact quote from Calvin uh, so I'm going to botch it but he (laughs) he makes a, a comment about the fact that uh, Christians, when it comes to the demonic, when it comes to this uh, Ephesians 6, understanding the fact that our yeah. uh, battle is not against flesh and blood but against uh, the supernatural, yeah. uh, that we're either A, we're too quick to dismiss it and, and deem Satan powerless, yeah. or we react from the far end of the spectrum and give him more power than what he actually has. Yeah. Um, and, and we need not fear him, at the same time, he's not powerless. So I just don't understand from the text how this would not be supernatural. Yeah. Um, and, and we have three instances of it. One that uh, Pastor Bob covered with the, the rod being changed to a snake and eating the rods of the others that had also been changed to snakes. Uh, the importance there is the fact that that, uh, that serpent represented not just the, the power of the deities, uh, but it also recognized the power of the monarchy. Yeah. And so when the when Aaron and Moses's staff ate the other ones, it was uh, specifically showing it's making a statement. Yeah, it's showing God's authority over both of those realms. Mm-hmm. And for this to have just been a slide of hand, a card trick, uh, that loses some of the weight that's meant mm-hmm. to be communicated there. And uh, apart from that, I, I mean, sure, they might be able to thicken water by adding uh, some gelatin and food coloring to it, making it look like blood and have the consistency of blood. We do mm-hmm. it every well. I'll see it on my street in a couple weeks for Halloween, right? (laughs) Um, But I don't know how you manufacture bringing up frogs out of the Nile, and and, yeah, and and why would you? Because the text is clear that they they didn't end uh, these plagues, Hmm. and so they were just magnifying the judgment already against them.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I I think that that is all incredibly helpful, Uh, and in reality, I man. It's, it's such, these are such enormous questions that I do think that we find ourselves doing these head experiments and getting, getting so bogged down into is this supernatural? Is this not all of these different realities? I do think what we can know for sure is that there are demonic powers Absolutely. that have some limited authority on this side of eternity, on this side of Jesus coming back. Mm-hmm. I do think that they're a little bit more ensnared now than maybe they were uh, in, in Exodus after Jesus' crucifixion, death, burial, resurrection, all those things. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, there is some limited power that is happening, and I think even yeah. still on display now. Well, where, and it's,
0: it's foretold. I mean, yeah. regardless of your eschatology, right? Yeah. Uh, we're told that the Antichrist, when he comes, mm-hmm. will be exhibiting things where we will say, this is the hand of God. Yeah. Uh, and those that don't know the word, that don't know Christ, are going to be, uh, yeah. they're, they're going to stray following him.
1: I also think, to to shrink back from any kind of yeah. supernatural reality makes it really hard to believe in the Bible in the yeah. first place. I mean, our all of our hope hinges on a resurrection, first yeah. of all. Um, but also we see Jesus, even in the Gospels, exhibiting the same kind of authority over creation and mm-hmm. calming a storm uh, in the sea and some other types of things and realities. And even in Matthew, very close parallels demonstrating his own authority over all of creation and sin and death. Uh, and that's meant to actually... Yeah. Harken back to what we've even seen here in Exodus in a lot of ways, showing Jesus as the the new and better Moses, the ultimate deliverer that is going to come. Um, And yeah, we would, uh, we would be remiss if we uh, were so afraid to think that there are some other beings that have some authority on this side of eternity. If, to say that that threatens god yeah ultimately god is saying yeah there are other entities in the universe that have some power but man they have no power in comparison to me the the one true god that is, is has existed eternally these are just creatures too
0: yeah i mean because it, it to simply write it off and assume yeah that this is sleight of hand great so then in essence we're uh, equating um, the god of all that is mm-hmm. with that elementary school student that finally figured out how the magic trick was done. <laughs> um, and, and so I. I, and I, I don't mean to say that lightly, but yeah. I, I think there's more to these than mere sleight of hand. It, the text just doesn't suggest that this was deceitful. This is him undermining the entire uh, Egyptian pantheon of gods. It's, it's him undermining hmm. uh, what limited authority these sorcerers do have.
1: Yeah, and that's, that's really helpful. So Ben, we're almost done, but we do have to attack the elephant in the room. Uh, and we had a listener uh, send in a question for this. We were batting it around ahead of time. And I even joked last week with yeah. Bob that I was going to leave this on the table for you. Uh, so the question is here, what is happening in this passage when we read that God is hardening Pharaoh's heart, yeah. but Pharaoh is also hardening his heart? We're seeing this in different interplays. It seems like the text is going back and forth. Is that an inconsistency? Is that the same thing? Maybe unpack a little bit for us. What is the the text getting at uh, when it is saying these two interplaying realities
0: here? So first, we did talk about a new segment for the B side. That's <laughs> going to be the elephant in the room. Yep. Um, so next time, maybe Pastor Matt gets put on seat with a question like this. Um,
1: but it's more fun for your first time. Yeah. Then.
0: Yeah. So. In my preparation, I I intentionally looked at this question, and Mm. don't hold me accountable to the exact number, but um, as I'm looking through Scripture, uh, there appears to be four, maybe five instances uh, that refer to Pharaoh hardening his own heart. Mm. When you look at the totality of Scripture, Old and New Testament, it appears that there's uh, nine to ten, maybe eleven instances where it says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart, and another four to five that just says, statement of fact, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. Mm. And and we don't... What what we do know is that uh, this hardening of Pharaoh's heart, uh, when God does it, is not conditional. Mm. It's not saying, well, he has the foreknowledge of the fact that uh, Pharaoh's going to harden his heart, therefore he went and also hardened his heart. Mm. And That's not what Scripture says. It talks about these being two independent events. So we have to struggle with the paradox of... Pharaoh is ultimately responsible for his sins. Mm. Scripture is replete with references that talk about yep. that. At the same time, mm. God is sovereign over everything. We 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 see that Everywhere, uh, but specifically regarding the hardening of Pharaoh's heart, uh, we see it referenced directly in Romans chapter nine, mm-hmm. but indirectly in passages like Jeremiah 18, where it's talking about the, the, the potter in forming the clay and the fact that he forms some for uh, for noble purposes and others for yeah. uh, destruction. Mm-hmm. God moves in that way. And that is an uncomfortable reality to struggle through. It
1: is, yeah.
0: And I can't explain it. But there's a lot of other things I can't explain about our faith either. Mm-hmm. I can't get my head around the infinitude of God. Yeah. I can't get my head around how each person of the Trinity interacts with one another and how they are mm-hmm. three but one. And yet it's a scriptural truth. Yeah. So it is something that we have to struggle with with struggle through Hmm. and understand that there are decisions that the Lord holds us accountable for. And we need to respond to those. Yeah. Um, No, no.
1: Yeah. I I think in the midst of all of this discussion is the reality that I think you're right. This is a tension that as Christians, we're going to be Debating this until the end of time, until Mm -hmm. Jesus comes back. And we have all throughout church history debated this very question. What I would say is like what we know for sure is that God does have sovereignty over all things. Absolutely. But in the midst of that sovereignty, he has clearly revealed himself mm-hmm. through all of creation. We see that in Romans one earlier in Romans. We, we see mm-hmm. that, but we also see in Romans one that because of that revealing of himself, we're all without excuse. So, right. uh, and you mentioned this yesterday. Ultimately, we have this God that has very clearly revealed himself to Pharaoh to Israel, his people, uh, in the the New Testament, in the New Covenant to his people, yeah. the church. Um and ultimately all of humanity has an obligation then to respond to this God and we are responsible for how we respond. Yeah. And that is that's sure. Uh and that is absolutely true. And I, I think I think the bigger, like elephant in the room, as it relates to this camp that we exist in, the, the reformed camp, so to speak, and the sovereignty of God and uh, God's mm-hmm. responsibility in in salvation and all of these questions. I do think the biggest disservice that we've created in us is that we can in some way know who God has chosen. And I think what we have to do is we have to look in the mirror and recognize our own sin, our own frailty, and our own inability to know uh, the mind of God in, in that way. And ultimately recognize that our role is not judgment. Right. Our role is mercy. Because we've been given mercy.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and and that's, that's the kind of thing that keeps people from living on mission. If we're, we're living in this lens of it is our job to execute the justice of God and know who is in Christ and who is not. That is not our responsibility. Yeah. Um, but we are responsible for our own hearts. And we're responsible for holding the brothers and sisters that we rub arms with week in and week out um, to call each other to faithfulness to Christ day right. in day out. Um,
0: absolutely, and then on, and that's the, not trivial. Yeah, you know? no, absolutely. I mean, there there is a matter of personal accountability that we have to respond uh, to the to the call of the gospel to uh, God's conviction of sin in our lives. Yeah, but on the flip side, and it's important that you highlighted that. Um Moses was specifically told that I'm hardening Pharaoh's heart and yet he still went and shared uh, the opportunity yeah. for repentance. Mm-hmm. We don't know that. We still can make a legitimate in good conscience free offer of the gospel to all yeah. because we don't have that knowledge about who the Lord is uh, has called them to himself and those that he hasn't. Yeah. Um and frankly my judgment's really bad mm-hmm. because if you're asking me, based on my reading of Scripture, I would have written Paul off. <laughs> uh, murderer, uh, I mean, he's he's literally destroying the church, and yet, mm. uh, so if there's anybody in Scripture that I could have written off, it would have been him, and yet here I am reading uh, the conversion account in, mm. in Acts. Or, or mm. a- any number of people where God has moved miraculously. Yeah. And so, uh, and that's important for us to see, even in the Again, back to the mercy and grace that we see in the plagues, is just the the tenacity, the faithfulness of Moses to go back time mm-hmm. and time and time again, yeah. offering this opportunity for repentance. And yet, we often want to wash our hands, like, "Hey, I shared the gospel once; I'm done." Yeah. It, it speaks to our, our loved ones that we've we've longed for their salvation for years and it gives us encouragement Mm -hmm. to go back and continue and to pray to continue to intercede to continue to share the gospel yeah um yeah Yeah,
1: because we have that we serve that long-suffering god that continues even for us in jesus uh to be long-suffering with us in the midst of the reality that we still sin yeah we're, our bodies are still groaning also under the weight of the, the ramifications of sin, mm. longing for resurrection, longing for restoration, longing for, uh, our deliverer to come back and to seat us at his table, uh, to feast with him forever. Like there, there's a, there's kind of an intentional longing of that mercy that is so beautifully on display in this text in ways that, man, you can just totally overlook and totally miss. Um, and I think that, I don't. There's more rich content here in Exodus than you maybe would ever imagine for a Bible study uh, mm-hmm. discussion. As we've kind of even tossed around these things today, and I think you you mentioned a good point. There there is this reality, and one of our, our questioners talked about how do we avoid this kind of hardness of heart in our own lives? How do how do our hearts stay malleable? Um, ben, in your own life. Have you what what has helped you think about staying soft uh to God's kindness and God's mercy um but also living in subjection to the the enormity of his judgment and the weight of that and and being in all of that what what keeps you soft in the the midst of everything that's going on around you
0: So and I'm actually drawn back to years of my conversation this morning after we had the frustration of our first recording <laughs> fall through um, it is the fact that, look, we are works in progress. Um, yeah. And so we um, understand this process of uh, sanctification to be a, a process of us becoming uh, formed to the image of Christ. And so a part of it is just continuing to be in the Word, continuing to pray, continuing to uh, submit yourself to the truth of the mm. Word and understand that we haven't got this figured out. Yeah. And once we, we get to the point that... that uh, we do think we've got to figure it out we've probably gone errant uh, mm-hmm. because we are never going to be fully in the image of Christ until our glorification, until he calls us home. Yeah. Um, and so part of it is just understanding that. Part of it is understanding the weight of my own sin. Yeah. Um, and when I understand the weight of my own sin, that's not something to be dwelling on. <laughs> But it is something that gives me an even greater understanding of the grace and mercy and the extent of uh, to which I've been forgiven mm-hmm. by God. So when I have a, a more realistic understanding of my own sin, of my own fallenness, of my own hardness, I, I have no choice but to soften. Yeah. Um, and and while I'm not where I want to be, I, I can tell you that my interaction with others, my my frustration, my anger with others, has softened through the years. Why? Not because they're any more tolerable, hmm. but because I understand just how sinful I was, <laughs> and I understand the enormity of what's been forgiven me,
1: and how intolerable yeah. people like you and me can be like yeah. in our day to day lives, a-
0: and and it makes it a whole lot easier to extend that. Mm-hmm. And so, how, how do we do it on a daily basis, uh, apart from personal spiritual disciplines? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's remaining soft to the work in life of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's what we I referred yeah. to in Hebrews chapter 3. It's realizing that we don't have to do this alone. Mm. So, you know what? Delving into your marriage and, and sharing those... Um, difficulties in your walk with with your spouse diving into a uh, personal relationship with others in, in the church into yeah. your small groups um yeah. uh, allowing yourself to be vulnerable there for other people yeah. to speak into it
1: yeah and even maybe inviting singles into yeah. your family absolutely there's, there's other different uh different ways to do that when we're thinking across seasons in our church of of really just being open to being uncomfortable yeah. in, in our day-to-day life i do think that has a tendency if if we're being caught off guard yeah. uh, to serve others well, knowing the the kind of mercy that's been extended and, and patience that's been extended to us because we need it because we're totally wacky, imperfect, sinful human beings. Yeah. Uh, that is a place from which we can be softened but also continue to be soft toward others. Uh, and, and I think that that's just such a helpful posture to, to be in, to, to face this life and those things. But also I think back to that reality of God choosing human responsibility, God choosing imperfect and sinful human beings Proves that he is doing the work in mm-hmm. the first place. That Absolutely. is really more about his glory than about the choosing in in the first place. You know, like ultimately using these imperfect vessels are, is such a clear reflection that man, like this, has nothing to do with these humans because they're messed up. Yeah, but man, like. Through the kindness of God, through his redemptive plan, he can take people that are far from him and and import them into his family and make them sons and daughters. And then these beautiful reciprocal reflections of who he is and his creativeness to the rest of the world. That's really, 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 really good news.
0: Yeah. And, And to then take those imperfect vessels and work in and through us to accomplish his good work. Yeah. Um but that's a completely separate conversation. Totally different conversation. That we need to get together again. Uh, Maybe that'll be one of our white elephant. Or, that, that's uh, a elephant good point. That's a good
1: point. We're right. saved to good works. You even mentioned that yeah. yesterday. Uh we that is a responsibility that we have to continue to walk this out in mm-hmm. obedience in subjection to this God that has revealed himself. Well then. I've been going a long time, for the second time, uh, but your first time on the Liberty B-Side Indeed. podcast. Indeed. Uh, you've given our Bible study leaders several questions to go through this week. I believe you gave eight of them. Maybe set up why you did that, what your heart was there behind those things. Yeah,
0: no, I want everybody to spend four hours discussing each and every question in a small <laughs> group. So go ahead and clear your count. Cal- no, I... I, I the text is so rich um, that I wanted to give a spectrum of questions for be able to, people to be able to uh, really look at what they might be struggling with, what their small group might be struggling with. Um, maybe one of the uh, particular questions piques interest and desire in that particular small group, just to delve specifically deeper into the text mm-hmm. and see what it reflects about us and. Um, and his church, mm-hmm. and, and how we can respond well in light of that. So yeah. it's meant to give a variety and, and options, not... not
1: Yeah, and that's uh, really helpful, because less. we have different types of groups. We've got men's groups, we've got women's groups, we've got coed groups that are meeting at different times, that have different needs, different seasons represented, and I think that's helpful... To think about how can we apply the text yeah. in these different seasons that we're in, but recognizing uh, the sufficiency of Scripture to be applied to each of our lives, uh, yeah. regardless of the season that we're in. Uh, those are accessible to you in the app in your Bible study group uh, resources tabs. And that's also available on the website under the Bible studies tab as well. So if you have any trouble finding those, just shoot me an email. I'd be happy to help you find those on my end of things. With that, uh, guys, death is coming. Uh, Ben mentioned yesterday that we get an allusion back to the watery grave uh, in the first plague on display, but we also talked about that is actually an allusion of the death that is to come. Ultimately, uh, Pharaoh and his army are going to meet a watery grave. Uh, Deliverance is coming. Uh, There's a lot more to wrestle through in our series as we continue to look at the life of Moses and we look ahead uh, to Christ as he comes back as our one true deliverer. Uh, it's been a joy to be with you guys, Ben. It's been a joy to be with you here once again. Thanks for joining me on the B-Side Podcast.
0: Absolutely. Okay.
1: All right, guys. Have a wonderful week.
0: Thank you for listening to the Sermon B-Side Podcast. For more resources, information about
1: our church, visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org. That's Liberty with an eye. Harrisburg.